Hello, everybody. Welcome to DragonCast, the Drexel Basketball Podcast. I'm Nate. We've got Dan, Leon, and Bill with us here tonight. So um, essentially calling this our season preview podcast for both teams, the men and the women. Um, there's a lot going on right now, so we're a little early on this, um, but you know, it seemed like a good time to do it. I was trying to mentally decide how many different things are going on between the World Series, Dan, throughout the Union. We have a Drexel graduate who could get a car into the championship four in NASCAR. I don't know who cares about NASCAR except me, but hey, it's out there. And the Eagles are undefeated, playing Pittsburgh, by the way. So there's a million things going on. It's Halloween, so, but we're just going to get this out of the way. We just had the preseason polls come out, so definitely a lot to talk about as far as that goes. So what did start out, though? You know, we had a great discussion last week with Coach Amy Mallon of the women's team, and I, I guess the best way I could put it is I remember I, I really wanted to go to bed early or as soon as I was done on the podcast last last Thursday. And I think you you have conversations with certain people that it just kind of sticks with you. And you're like, man, it give you a lot to think about. And it's hard to fall asleep because you're thinking about all the, the things that she touched on. And you just like that feeling you get around that program just makes you feel good. And that was the other thing. I just yeah, like that's good vibe after that. And so I didn't fall asleep like I wanted to. So uh, that's a good thing. So. It was a great, great conversation with her. And I know, uh, you know, Dan, you listened after the fact and, but any other kind of parting thoughts you guys had about that conversation? Yeah, it's funny. I, I loved having the chance to tune in uh, and listen to it for once, but I, I was actually so anxious to listen to um, that pod that I, uh, I didn't wait for the mix to come out and I just literally just downloaded her track. So I didn't hear your questions or anything else. I just heard her voice for like, and, and, and I was, I was, uh, I, I, I did listen back to it with you guys. Um, when I got home, I was just on the road, so I couldn't, couldn't do it myself for the first like 20 minutes. And, uh, it was awesome. I, I wrote it down, but there are four words. I said, energy, confidence, passion, and genuine. I think that's, that's what came across to me. Um, and man, that's pretty good, right? Like that's, I think if you're a coach, it's kind of what you're going for. Uh, but she was incredibly believable, incredibly down to earth. Uh, I love the story, the the backstory, the talking about, you know, coaching, bartending, waitressing, moving furniture, all while being at school, like that kind of grind, that kind of hustle. Um, you know, you can see how that mentality would 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 project onto her players today. Um, when you get somebody like a Hannah Nihill or something like that, clearly that relationship is special. Um, just really cool. Just really, I enjoyed the heck out of, of listening to all of it, and I, I really like the fact that you guys split it up like fifty fifty on the court and off the court. Cause I, I think I like the off the court stuff, you know, really learning the backstory and about what drives her, what makes her a great coach kind of, um, just as much as I liked hearing about the on the court, you know, um, or, or hearing about her thoughts on Anthony getting thrown out, whatever else, you know, it was, um, you know, it was fun. It was just a fun time. So I appreciate, appreciate you guys having, having her on and, um, and her taking the time and, and just being a really cool interview. The genuineness, I, I think it was like one of those things where you'd ask a question and you'd get a very direct and upfront answer. And I think that was a little refreshing. Um, uh, and also the fact that she has a very unique backstory, right? Like he, she went into it. She kind of took us from her, you know, high school, college career to all the way to right now. And it was like she played basketball with Dr. Dr. J. Like, well, like that's that's some crazy stuff, right? Like it's it's not it, and. And also the, just the, you can see the drive that she has and that she's been able to instill in this program and, you know, coming with coach Dylan behind her and, and 
through that all, you can tell that they've kind of homegrown this uh, very unique, I would say, very unique uh, culture that is going to be hard for anybody else to manufacture. Like, and I'm so glad that Coach Mallon stuck around because it seems like she did have offers from the conversation you guys had. She was very open about that as well. But I'm so glad she stuck around because, again, that 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 takes that's stuff that grows exponentially. But to get to that exponential growth and like kind of that uh, people coming back from the program, returning to the DAC unannounced, just to kind of watch the new team play, that kind of stuff. It's 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 hard to grow other than like organically. And when it does happen organically, it's it's amazing, and it it can it can vanish in a heartbeat because if if she decided to go to another program, you wouldn't have somebody probably as as close to it, maybe, but you know that that it was so. I think it was so special that, I, and I'm a person that historically has been, admittedly, not very close to following the women's program. But after that podcast, I, I don't know how I cannot. It it was just it, not only do, do they have a great team coming into this year, they have no transfers, which is which is insane in this day and age. And listening to Coach Mallon, it's hard not to get pumped. So I'll definitely be going to some games this year. She was great, you know, like, like Leanne said, she was, you know, very straightforward and the, the program that she's built is amazing. Really. I think that's the biggest takeaway I had as well is that, you know, you know, the players coming back, um, zero transfers, uh, that, that's, that's unbelievable. Uh, like I was just looking at, you know, on the men's side, the rosters for pretty much the entire conference and, you know, some teams lost all but three players, all but, all but four players. Um, and she lost no one. So it's, it's incredibly impressive to keep all those people around. And, <clears throat> and she sounded very dedicated to Drexel as well. I thought like, it sounded like this is where she wants to be. She's not job hunting. I mean, I, obviously people are offering her spots, but she likes it here, wants to take us to the next level. And, uh, yeah, it was just a very impressive interview. Yeah. I think you guys both touched on, and I want to wrap it back, but yeah, the no transfers thing really, you know, that strikes me and it's not just a men's side thing right she said 30 women's programs i think nationally didn't have transfers last year so it's the top 10 percent essentially right it's elite company and and i think bill what you just said last was really hit me very much which is that she doesn't have a desire to leave you know she said at the end of the pod you know my desire is to be here for a long time how often do you hear that in coaching from you know a successful younger type you know just doesn't happen a whole lot and i think that helps build that buy-in but um, you could tell that she kind of believes in these players and she has that relationship with these players where she's putting as much into them as, as they're giving to her. And and um, she's doing the same thing with Drexel, right? And I do appreciate, we haven't talked about Eric Silmer on this podcast in a while, but listen, let's be honest, like he he got Denise paid. He got her paid, right? Like I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's comfortable, whatever. I mean, they, they may have done something else besides money, but you know, they, they took care of them, which was just the point she made on the podcast, right? You know, and, and uh, you know, there are times where I wish he had, you know, maybe gone to the front office a few more times for the athletics department, fought a little bit hard, harder for areas of athletics. But this is clearly, this was an area that was important to him and he made it important to John Fry and going back Constantine Papadakis. And so that, that shows a belief in personnel. I think that's important and it's, it's good to hear the school have. So just uh, all of it, but I guess, yeah, that, that bit where she doesn't want to leave, that she's not trying to, she's not recruiting you so she can move on. Right, most coaches these days are recruiting you, and they want to jump, and, and they want they're going to sell you on that. You have the ability to jump, right? You know, um, she's not doing that. She's she's here to win with you, 
And I think that's a really cool and unique message that she gets to share. And, and she's got the body of work where no other coach could come into a recruits house and say, nah, she's BSing you. I can't do it. Can't do it with her. So very neat, very neat and cool individual. Like I said, cool time and, and appreciate you guys bringing those points up. seems like she's recruiting to a family is what it seems like, like a very successful basketball family and you bring people in and they want to stay and you see that and, and grow. It's, it's really amazing. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I think, and, and it's being their openness. And I think one of my concerns with keeping the roster together and avoiding transfers was, you know, playing time. And I mean, Anthony, actually, that was maybe the touchiest question I, I had for her. You know, I was like, because I always, I was like, she only went like seven or eight deep. And for me, that's only, but I mean, that may be her philosophy. I know, you know, you feel like you, you feel a sense that coaches want to get guys in just so they don't leave guys or women. Uh, but she didn't really play that way. You know, she played, I guess, the roster and the the lineups she thought were best and then somehow kept her, you know, kept, I mean, Candace Sapman is somebody I'm going to use as a classic example who had a big role two years ago and then hardly ever played last year with Tess Brugler coming in. And Candace Sapman's back this year, and I think she specifically brought up her having a bigger role. So I think, and and then the comment she made almost like unsolicited was how, you know, if the worst problem you have in my program is playing time and I've done my job and it was a great way to put it. And obviously kind of highlights why she's able to keep this roster together in this era of play now. I want to play right now. It was just interesting to hear that. And so, so yeah, great interview and, uh, you know, good luck to that program. They get big things. So, but any other thoughts you guys had? Well, I think if we're talking about big things, we got to jump to the preseason polls, right? Yeah. So let me, I'm going to kind of read it off here first and um, switch into the page and maybe we'll just start out with the the preseason teams because the picture on the CA page is Keishana Washington. So of course, you know, she's a preseason player of the year. And then, um, so I'm going to screw up names. So I'm not going to go through one by one. Uh, you know, I'll, I worked hard to, to say Jenna Anna Carico. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But she's, you know, I read somewhere online, you know, she's sort of maybe, the, the the you know if Kishana doesn't win it then Anna Carico could could get in there so you know the the guard from Charleston a scrappy player she's fun to watch too and it's I think interesting that uh, you know two players Riley Casey and Sydney Wagner from William and Mary uh, made the first team uh, and despite that uh, William and Mary was actually picked seven so maybe speaks to some of the balance in the league but, but yeah so we only well, I would say only but we had you know Kishana was our representative on the first and second teams, all conference preseason. And then, um, you know, then going through the polls and yeah, ports, we were picked first. Um, I think some other notables, uh, just to say, uh, that, that, uh, Towson and Delaware, who had kind of been right up there with us the last few years have dropped out a bit fifth and sixth. Again, speaks to the t stability of our program because both those programs lost their head coaches going into this year. And I think they had a fair number of transfers too. I know Towson did for sure. Um, and then, you know, you still see those, you know, um, Carolina teams like Charleston and Elon, and then, uh, you know, they were second and fourth and then sucking, sneaking in there, Stony Brook, a newcomer into the conference. You know, like on the men's side, it seemed like all the new teams were kind of congregated at the bottom, you know, Stony Brook sneaks in there. looks like there'll be a, a nice addition to the conference. So, so yeah, uh, the big take home is, you know, once again, uh, you know, like we talked about on the podcast, the women's program has the target on their back. And they're going to get everybody's best shot night in, night out. So that by itself makes it for a fun season. So any thoughts at the poll and any, anything that stood out to you guys? 
it wasn't a unanimous decision, right? I mean, it wasn't quite the slam dunk. I think the loss of Hannah maybe, you know, had some people um, with, with other votes. But well, the biggest thing that struck me is that Drexel's picked first, fairly he- he- heavy favorite. I think it was 10 of 13 first place votes. And Amy's vote can't be for her own team. So it's really 10 of 12 possible first place votes. And um, only one, not not just first teamer uh, with, with Kishana, but she was the only first, second, nobody was even an honorable mention. You know, they're saying we've only got one of the top 15 players in the league and yet are a slam dunk for, you know, first on your ballot in the standings. Mm-hmm. That that speaks to program, right? That speaks to just respect for the Drexel program. I think my guess is come the end of the year, the players probably will have a few more DUs next to them in that first, second, third, third team. But that was what, what immediately jumped out at me. The only other thing there, obviously, Stony Brook's a big addition to the conference. You don't really know what you're getting, uh, which is exactly what uh, Coach Mallon said. You know, with Towson and Delaware, just a ton of turnover. Um, I, I don't know much about the new teams besides Stony Brook, but I know Stony Brook is kind of year in, year out, a pretty good program. Obviously, they're going to have to deal with the jump. This is a better league than what they were in, but they're going to compete. They're, they're going to be pretty good. Um, and, you know, Charleston... Charleston gave the Dragons a run for their money last year. If you remember those two games, both at the deck, did they lose that game at the deck? Is that the they game did, they lost? They broke the winning streak. Yeah, we, and, we and I thought they honestly the should have lost in Charleston. Right? I yeah. mean, they got a, they got a really nice whistle in, in that Charleston game, and then they ran that baseline inbounds play. It was one of the most memorable play, plays of last year. I, I know that because my memory sucks, and I still remember it. They're going to give them a run, I think. So I, I get that where the top of the standings are, but I'm a I'm a big believer in obviously in Coach Mallon, but the program and. To your point, Nate, they've got a lot of returnees that we're not talking about. And I think I expect some of those people to show up. Also, I did want to point out a, a newcomer, the uh, the shooter from New England that she was talking about is from Westford, Massachusetts, which is right where I grew up. Um, so very excited to see some fresh blood uh, coming from that area of the country. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I expect, I guess the whole league expects good things out of out of our team. Yeah, and she's thrown out too. Um, Kylie Lavelle, we talked about briefly from Riverside too. So I, I don't know. I, you know, again, I haven't seen this freshman class, but I mean, just on paper and looking through, um, yeah, it looks pretty impressive. And and I, I'm I'm pretty high in this team. And I'll briefly in a second go through. I kind of went through the schedule to see what I thought. But I mean, again, yeah, a lot of these a lot of these players again, they didn't get a lot of playing time last year. So you know, getting the opportunities, you know, like Borky and Hyduke, I, I think. You know, it showed flashes last year and, and now getting the opportunity to step up, I think, you know, could could make a big difference. And I, I liked, you know, I, I asked her about recruiting and if she's bringing in sort of different players and what we saw with Denise Dillon. I think, you know, Jasmine Valentine, we're already saying she's going to be a junior. She's been around for a little bit. But Sarah Bob, who's going to be a sophomore this year, you know, in the time that we got to see her, a bigger type player and athletic. So I'm curious to see what step she makes this year. So I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm still pretty high on this team. And I mean, for obvious reasons, I mean, they just, they always seem to reload, as she said. So, um, you know, despite not having those recognitions, I mean, the postseason honors are the ones that matter. And um, I think we may see some more people pop up on those teams at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I liked the, um, the Bailey Greenberg 2.0, right? Like put those expectations on a kid before they've played their first collegiate games. That's, that's fun. But I, I, I like that too, right? Like they lost Hannah Nihill. No kidding, but Hannah Nihil's won every award. She's been to the conference final every single year she's been here. Like she was your leader in every sense of the word. 
you lost her. And when you ask her about her expectations, she's like, we should go deeper into the postseason. Mm-hmm. Like she's not playing that kind of bullshit expectations game. She really isn't. This is this is she sets she has a high standard. She sets it. Let's go. She's not a she's not afraid to share it publicly and challenge herself and her players, which I think is awesome. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go through. I guess I I, I went through the schedule and and it, I'm drinking the Kool Aid. This is the Homer, uh, you know, pick of of the century. I guess so. I mean, but I, let me hear me out though. You know, look at the schedule. I mean, um, you know, not a conference. I think it's a nice schedule. And, uh, you know, they, I think the toughest stretch, they go to at Buffalo, who was second in the Mac this year. Um, I was on get some action.com. I have to point that out. And then they, um, they, I don't think they had their media day yet, or maybe they don't know, but they were second in the, in the league last year. So that's a tough trip. And then a few days later, they go to Longwood who are second in the big South. And they're the ones that I think today had their media day. So that's a tough stretch, but otherwise you look, you know, Yale was third in the Ivy pick third Dortmund was seventh they obviously the Penn State home game is going to be difficult um but uh, it's interesting the Big Ten only picks the top five so I don't really know where they think they're going to shake out so I'll be honest I went through I I I was like they're probably not going to win back to or you know back-to-back games on the road at Buffalo and Longwood is in Farmville Virginia that's a tough trip and I think it's a weeknight so I mean you look through it and, and then what I was trying to say too is like we I think I, I like their our travel schedule. So we get Elon and Charleston at home, which is a pretty nice break. And yeah, so we don't have to make maybe arguably two of the toughest trips in the conference. So, I mean, yeah, if, if she puts these pieces back together, we have a good potential to have another type of season like we did last year. So I'm not going to tell you, it sounds like I'm totally drinking the Kool-Aid if I tell you the record that I picked. Uh, but uh, it could be very good. If, and I'm confident they're going to put the pieces together. I want to hear the record. We'll label it like brought to you by Flow Sports. I, I got 28 and one. Like I said, that's the complete homer schedule. And, and that's why it's, it's a completely worthless thing to say. But I, I, why wouldn't we beat LaSalle and Maryland Eastern Shore and, and Lehigh? You know, um, who's the loss? I got to know who we're losing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm like at Buffalo. So, okay. um, but again, this is, and, and to, and Bill has made this point too. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I'm the type and this, I'm going to say this to the men's side too. It's like, I, I need to see these teams to really know who's left and what they look like. So I, I have no clue, but I, all I'm saying is based on our history and you know, what I saw last year and then the way the schedule sets up. I mean, again, I, all I'll say is. We all these games are very, I, I feel like, are, are very winnable. So, and I'm sure she's going to do a good job of mixing in lineups and whatnot. But all I'm saying is, I, 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 I'm confident, whatever. So, you know, it's a total homer pick, but hey, I, I've been wrong before. If the Phillies made the World Series, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I think the, I think yeah. the interview, the interview really set you, uh, set you on fire about this or about the program in general here. 28 one. The Eagles are six and zero. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling right now. So, but. But I don't know. Any, any other thoughts? I, I, I don't know if anybody else had, had briefly looked at the schedule. We should feel good about this team. I was going to go 29 and oh man, come on. At this point, just, <laughs> yeah. just commit to it. Just lean if, into it. <laughs> if you're James Franklin, you want one and oh. So that's all he's worried about. So we'll go the, the James Franklin route. So, and, and as we know, the, the women start. So it's the, the 10th, November 10th. So we'll talk more about that coming up. But, um, and Leon gave you that hopefully other people have that same feeling. They want to go out to a game. So, get people out and support this team so all right so let's pivot so we'll talk about the the men's team so i'll start out uh same thing going through 
Um, so, and, and top, the first thing you see on our webpage is, uh, so um, let me go through the, the all conference teams, if I can find it at the bottom, but the, the picture of Aaron Estrada and uh, the preseason player of the year, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, you could talk about Cam Holden and Thompson down at Towson. Uh, but from what I saw last year, Estrada, I mean, he lit us up with that mid-range jump shot. So I don't have any beefs with that. Uh, Towson with three players on the first team, Holden Thompson and Timberlake. And then uh, Jameer Nelson Jr. from Delaware rounding out the the first team with, with Estrada. So second team, uh, you know, Jair Davis, who came on, especially in the tournament last year. Uh, Phillips from UNCW. Um, Smith from Charleston and then a Telfort from Northeastern. And then there's our man, Amari Williams on the second team. So excited to see him there. And then uh, I won't go through the whole honorable mention group, but I guess similar to the women, we only have one player on any of the teams and it was Amari Williams. And then going through the poll. Um, so, you know, we got, we we're picked seventh with Towson favored. I'll just give the top five, let's say Towson, Hofstra, uh, Delaware, Charleston, and then UNC Wilmington. And then, like I said, the, uh, the newcomers taking up by my count what four of the last five spots. So not too much expected out of them, but maybe they'll surprise somebody. So, uh, that's how things look going into the season. So, all right. Uh, any thoughts you guys have? Maybe we'll start with Bill. I mean, going back to the preseason team first, oh, that thousand having three on there was a bit much. I mean, it, I know they're preseason favorites. They brought a lot back, but I just think that, I don't know. It, I would highly doubt by the end of the season that they're going to have three people on the first team all conference. Um, you know, I don't know if Amari was completely robbed, but I think Amari very easily could have been um, on there instead of one of the um, Townsend players. Um, he's similar stats to, I think, uh, Charles Thompson. So he was defensive player of the year, so he could have easily been on there. Um, but again, you know, they're picked first and, uh, I just think three is a lot for first team. Other than that, no real complaints. We don't have anyone else who has the stats to, you know, even be considered for, um, preseason all conference teams. Hopefully that'll change when it comes to the actual all conference team. We'll need somebody to step up and at least be close to, you know get in on one of those teams in order for us to be successful this year. Does Townsend have a lot of returning players or like what's yeah. what is so they didn't have as many transfers either. They seem like more of the definitive number one here than even our women's Drexel team, right? They return their top four scores. Okay. And I would say that they have some pretty good recruits coming in too. So but I think it's probably mostly based on returning top four scores. Not a lot of players a lot of teams in the league, uh, yeah, return anywhere near that. But even like Hofstra, like Hofstra's pick number two, right? I mean, Hofstra has like three guys back <laughs> that contributed on the roster last year. Like they have three guys. I mean, they're they're good players, and they have Estrada and and you know, Darlene and Dubar. I mean, they're uh, you know those two are high producing, but they like I said, it's three guys. Whereas talents returns are top four, not just three guys for the entire roster. So it, it's just a crazy turnover. And, you know, they were good last year, uh, bringing back those guys. I think that's probably why they're picked number one. I, I think they're the clear cut number one, in my opinion. I guess, you know, for me, Towson, it's like, 
you know, you're just waiting for them to figure out how to put it all together. And last year, in that first round game, they had with Thompson and Holden both got hurt in that first game. And that's why as a Drexel fan, I was sitting there like licking my chops. I'm like, man, if we can figure out a way to get through Delaware, got a good chance to go to the semifinal. And of course, we didn't. And Delaware won the whole thing. But for some reason, it just seemed like they can't put it all together. I feel like they have good talent. But when it comes to, I guess, in a sense of putting it all together, organized and disciplined in a tournament type setting, they can't really necessarily do it. So they'll prove that this year for me. So. Yeah, I, I thought a couple of things. I mean, I, I agree with you on Towson. I, I do think that Pat Scary's got a little bit of the bruiser flint. The worst thing that he could possibly happen to him is to be picked first. You know, um, that, that w- they will have a target on their back. Uh, he's probably got the upperclassmen and he's got the talent to deal with it. But he's it's, it's a big year. It's a big year for him uh, to kind of prove that that he can do it when he's when he's picked at the top when he has those expectations. Um, from a Drexel perspective. Turn the page there for a minute. Um, it's tough, I think, to look at Northeastern, who's coming off of, I think, a three-basket season um, to be picked in front of you, right? Like, I mean, it's it's they were they were atrocious last year. I think they had all kinds of I don't know if on the court on the court, but they were they were a mess. I mean, there's injuries, there's COVID, there's all kind, but they were they were terrible. Um, so to be picked behind them. Um, is, is a big testament. And this is a coach's poll from what I saw on the website. So this is your peers essentially saying to you, we think Bill Cohen can build a program in one year. That, that outplays what you've done in six to Zach Spiker. And I, I'd have a chip on my shoulder. I, I have all this respect in the world for Bill Cohen, but he's, he's almost rebuilding from scratch. Um, now they say the transfers, you know, the transfers and the recruits are very, very good. You know, all the reports out of there, but you hear that about everybody's transfers and recruits. You know, I, I have some folks up there, I believe a little bit more than most. So yeah, I believe they're probably going to be pretty decent and Bill Cohen's a good coach, but um, the idea that, um, you know, they were picked next to Drexel. It wasn't like they were picked well above, but I, I think it was a bit of a knock. I thought it was a, a bit of a knock and you know, you combine that with, with Amari Williams, second team bill and, um, you know, not a lot of respect, not a lot of respect for the dragons. Um, from the coaches around the conference, which I thought was interesting. Where do you think that lack of respect comes comes from? What do people think we're missing? Well, listen, obviously, obviously, you lost Cam. It's easier to point to you lost Cam. Sometimes it's easier um, to point to we lost this. Northeastern didn't lose anything because they weren't any good. So you could talk about you could, when you talk about Northeastern, you're going to talk about what they brought in. When you talk about Drexel, you're going to talk about what they lost, right? So some of it is perspective. So I think that's that's part of it. But I just. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. There's been a ton of buy-in um, to, to our program for the last decade, to be honest with you. I mean, I think we've been fairly consistently underrated in, uh, in these polls ever since kind of we dropped off under Brew. Never never really got that respect back. Um, and they're going to have to punch some folks in the teeth to, to earn it if they want it, but it's not there yet. I think it is like the program danger, right? Like it's, they look at the women's team, it was pretty much, you know, Kishana Washington's returning. So that's like, big return but then after that there's not a lot of returning production as far as points go whereas like you know so but the program is always strong so they're pick number one like it's there's there's a confidence there that they're going to be at or near the top despite all of those losses whereas the men's team doesn't have that track record of success i mean we went to you know, we went to the tournament a couple of years ago, but I think we were, we were in six at the time. It was a weird year. Um, but what's the highest we finished fourth? Was that this year? This is the past year we finished fourth. So, um, 
you know, I, I just don't think that we, like you said, Dave, you know, there's the respect isn't there for the program that, you know, with all of these losses that we're just gonna, you know, fill those gaps and be a successful team again this season. Yeah, I am saying I wanted to comment on the, the podcast you guys had with recruits and ready to cam. And, uh, you know, before I came on, they, yeah, Penn State basketball social media showing the team picture. And then there's Cam Winter. So kind of interested to to see some of his games this year. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I was in the minority camp last year or where it was. Uh, you know, I'm maybe sounding crazy for the second time after picking the women to go 28-1. But I, I, you know, is it a loss? Yes. I, I don't know that it's a, you know, devastating loss. And, and I go back, I, I guess I'm trending back to that CAA tournament game. Again, where things were setting up, if we got by Delaware, we could find ourselves in the in the final, or at least the semifinal. And you know, Cam coming out in the second half, red hot, on fire. Finally, we get some points, and we're we're getting close. And he's running his mouth to the Delaware players. You're still looking at the scoreboard. We're still down what five, seven points, something like that. And then he kind of disappeared the rest of the game. And like there was never that like Cam winner game. Where it was like, like you think of the the women's game last year and the um, I can't remember who we played. We we came back from a big deficit and won in the in the women's NIT. Where Keyshawn Washington, I mean, just went nuts, brought us all the way back and won the game. He had games where he you know was hot and got close, but there was not that game. And I I, I never saw that from him. So I, I guess I'm not as like the role is. I don't know you guys are either, but I'm not like the role is over because Cam Winter left. I think hopefully we can fill in with some other guys and maybe surprised at what they could do. I mean, I think Cam is one of the most decorated players ever played. <laughs> Drexel, and he's, uh, you know, was very successful here, but uh, I don't think it's like the end of the world that we, that we've lost him either. I mean, you, you it was his time was up. He was here four years. You know, that's how long you get a guy for. I mean, this weird COVID years allowed him to move on to, you know, Penn state for another year. But, um, well, I think it'll be missed. I mean, it, it depends, like you said, Nate, it'll, it'll depend on the, the guys behind of how much he's missed. Like is, is, is Justin Moore ready to go? If Justin Moore is ready to go and, you know, he can, he can fill in for the, sh- like uh, some of our other freshman point guards, uh, have over the years, whether it's Cam or, uh, you know, Kirk Lee for a year, um, Terrell Allen for a year, like those We've always had a freshman point guard step up. So if, if he comes in and can play, then we won't miss Cam that much. But, it, you know, we didn't just lose Cam either. I think that's, there's, there's a lot of other pieces that went. I mean, Xavier Bell's a big loss. James Butler, maybe less of a, less of a big loss because of how good Amari's become. But uh, even Malik Martin, like we lost just a lot of guys, and a lot of production. And there's a lot of unknowns with this team of who's going to be that Who's going to be that guy who steps up? Who's the who's the uh, the Robin to uh, Amari's Batman? You know, we, we need we need s- serious, you know, increases in production from a number of guys in order for us to have a successful season. I guess that's what happens when you lose like top. I think if we lost top all top four of our scores, is that does that sound right, Bill? So I, you know, to your point again, Cam, great player, took his. <laughs> First point guard uh, at Drexel that I got to see take us to the tournament. Uh, and just like, uh, so I definitely will always like him as a player, but 
you know, there is his loss will only be trued out if he can't find a point guard. If Justin Moore is a good point guard, I think it'll be okay. We'll we'll make do. And uh, there's Amari still around. So, but if, uh, if if that doesn't pan out, then I think because of the other losses like Xavier Bell too, and I think you know you might start wishing otherwise. But I still wish him all the best. And his, you know, he he did four years. He did his time. It was okay for him to move to Penn State. You know, I, I plan to go see him. I agree. I'm going to root for him. And I, but and like Bill, I listening to you describe some of the incoming freshmen had me excited. Yeah, can you expect them to walk right in the door and and be you know first team all CA players? No, but you know I will say though, Spiker in his time has kept taking us to like a next level in certain positions. And hey, maybe this guy takes us even to another level. I don't know, but I'm excited to see what the next guy is going to do for us. So. I mean, Amari, I'm interested to see what he did with the offseason. I think he got pushed around a little bit against Towson, against Delaware at times. You know, uh, I'd like to see him be a little more physical. So see if he put on some weight in the offseason. It sounds like maybe that happened. And also see, you know, 61% free throw shooter last year. That's certainly an area where if he works on it, there's a lot of room for growth. Um, but if he if he can make um, continued progress, he doesn't make need to make the, the Rob Battle, you know, leap. That, that Rob made between sophomore and junior because he's already so 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 far along, but if he makes continued progress, uh, you are returning you know three legit shooters around him, right? And uh, Odin was forty one percent last year, Akris was forty, Train was thirty six. Um, you know you, you kind of look at the Zach Spiker system, that offense should be pretty good, like that offense should work uh, with three legit shooters, of an elite shot blocking big man you know in the middle uh, um and then you know obviously point guard is is what we're talking about here that's that's the big one but um hypothetically the system works if you, if you walk in a room with you know look at what zach Spiker does what he's done since he's been since he's been here and and say these are the types of players we want he has those players and we have a whole bunch of mystery bags of guys coming in that bill's given us a pretty good breakdowns on but, you know, if, if a couple of those guys can pan out, give you decent minutes, you know, your concerns are going to be injuries, your concerns are going to be depth, but it should at least be a competitive team, my opinion, right? I mean, I, I don't think the baseline is as far as, is as low as we might make it out to be is, you know, presumed health, but always presumed health with everybody's preview. Um, I'm, I'm a little, I don't know, I'm, I'm still intrigued. Um, the defense, obviously, is, is the one, has always been the question, right? That's always been the question with this crew and it's good to hear Coltrane on media day talking about defense defense that's all he want to talk about so hopefully that that culture is, is getting there we are also picked like seventh right and middle of the pack isn't a bad place to be uh, i'll with this team that we have and uh, i'm yeah uh, and, and the next team below us is like i got 30 less votes so it's a pretty big drop after the seventh place in the in, in that uh preseason poll so you know i feel like definitely chip on our shoulder but only place to go, I think, for this team. We should be able to hopefully finish better than that, so I'll take it. I guess if you're talking about chips on their shoulders, so I'm looking at UNC Wilmington pick fifth, and, I mean, not a bad place to be, but that team just couldn't get anybody's respect, whether that was right or wrong. I, I personally, I can't decide either, but, again, they're pick fifth, and, I mean, I you know, I, I have to look to see how much they brought back, but that team can't seem to get a lot of respect, honestly. So, um, so we'll see. But I, I, you know, it's like, I, I guess I'm sitting here. It's like this conference, unfortunately, has been, and it's been, uh, I think a problem is there's not one team that really asserts itself. And like, I think, Bill, you said, it's like the women's program 
has built the reputation. So, you know, they're picked high and then I hope too, if they have a good record, I don't know that at large starts to become a con on the con on the, you know, with the conversation, but, um, but when you consistently win and you're consistently at the top, um, you know, you start to, you know, gain a reputation, not necessarily, not just for your program, but for the conference. And unfortunately, again, this is an example of like where conferences all over the place. And I think that hurts our profile too, nationally, if I'm making sense there. So. No, I, I think. I mean, from a national perspective, I think we, the conference has to start winning more games. I mean, out of conference, like there's not a lot of big wins. I feel like the last few years, and then we get to the NCAA tournament too. And it's just a letdown as, as well. Uh, I can't remember us being too competitive in the last, you know, few years really, um, or seeing like one team, maybe to your point, um, that's really had big wins. Like back when we had, you know, VCU and, and, you know, this is back in like 2012, I guess, when we were really good, like you were seeing bigger wins on a regular basis from members of the conference. And I just don't think we see that as much these days. Um, you know, hopefully that can change because I think you need to get some of those in order to raise the profile of the conference in general. I agree, Bill. And part of that is who you schedule, right? And I know that scheduling is not an easy thing. It's an art form and more than a science, certainly at this level. Um, you got to figure out who you can get, where they'll play you. But I do think that both the men and the women this year, because I'm, I'm a big schedule nerd, right? This is two of the best schedules uh, um, I think I've seen. Uh, the out-of-conference schedule for the men this year is it's pretty fantastic. It's both winnable, uh, it's approachable, I'll put it that way. Um, but it's it's also um, got some games in there. So, you know, you get obviously Old Dominion at home to start the season. It's good to have Penn back, even if they are hot garbage. And they'll probably be pretty decent, actually. Um, Nate, apologies. Garbage flow sports tournament. We'll ignore it for a moment. Um, but, you know, at Temple, Lafayette, Princeton, at LaSalle, at St. Seton Hall. And then you get the tune-ups, you know, Delaware State and Fairfield before you start CAA play. It's a, it's a good, it's a good home slate. It's a great slate to show up to. Um, much better home games than we've seen in, in a long time. Um, but also, you know, even the bye games at Seton Hall. So that's one, you know, it's gettable, um, both on the court and, and for fans to go up there and, and check them out. I don't know if that's in Newark or, I'm assuming, it's, I'm assuming that game's in Newark. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good schedule to play. Uh, but more, I haven't looked around the conference to see kind of the other teams out of conference schedules yet. I'm, I'm a little behind with that. But um, I'd like to see, I hope to see more CA teams doing that and a lot less of these D2, D3 games, a lot less of these kind of bottom of the barrel games. I know some of our Southern partners are having some problems filling out the schedule, it looks like. Um, and I heard some complaints about that. There's always that complaints when the schedule comes out. Um, there's, these guys are playing D2 teams. These guys are, you know, two, three, non D1s. Um, we have our one, you know, Zach Spiker gets his one. Um, but at least we're not playing multiple, right? Um, yeah, everybody's got to be grown ups. Like this league, I don't know, I, I've been thinking a lot about it lately, lately. And yes, I do think about it in terms of flow, but, you know, they got to start acting like they want it. You know, um, I think I hear complaints about, um, production right tv production has been a popular twitter complaint lately like right? some of the schools have not invested in tv production well it's because flow doesn't make you invest the espn has minimum standards if they're going to put you on espn plus right flow doesn't have that so these schools don't have the choice not to invest right and we are being cheap we're being cheap like the whole point of flow is to get the linear tv games and get the national tv exposure games i get that right they're basically saying we don't care about online streaming 
audience. We care about getting these linear TV, these regional network games, these, these national TV broadcast games. And we're going to use this, the money from this to facilitate that. And they could pay for it otherwise, right? You know, they don't have to be on flow. They could just pay for it. They, these schools have the endowments, I promise you. It's not that big a chunk to get a few games on national TV. Um, but you can't be a Drexel. I, I don't want to hear it, quite frankly, from the Drexel administration when they could criticize a team down south for not investing in production because if you weren't cheap with flow, they wouldn't be cheap with their production, right? Like you didn't force the envelope. And I feel the same way kind of about these D1, D2 games. Like unless we're going to pass a conference rule that says you can't, you have to schedule like this, which other conferences have done. Then we got to shut up and take it. Like, Bill, you're 100% right. This conference needs exposure. It needs to win games, big games, but you have to force them to play it because they're not doing it on their own. And at some point, the conference office needs to, you know, be big boys and come out and, and push an agenda. And it just hasn't happened yet. So that's my rant. I'm done. I apologize. It was flow adjacent, Nate. I was just using that as an example. But yeah, that's um, still out there. Well, I, I'm sitting here laughing because I'm about to do something. I, I've been saying a lot of things lately that I never thought I'd say in my life. And like, like, so last night, my son had basketball practice and, I, and, and we're, we're here doing a, a basketball podcast. And my thought was, I don't know if I could handle another sport starting because I am now for first time in life. So I'm kind of interested in soccer. And like you said, I, we got, I got to figure out how we're going to watch the union game on Sunday night at eight o'clock. Uh, so I'm going to say something else. Never thought I'd say for your sake, I almost wish the, the Phillies were playing the Red Sox because then you could go to bed at night thinking about the world series and the Red Sox and not about how much you hate flow sports. So you'd have like something else to worry about when you go to bed. So I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but yeah, right, there it is. If, so. if the worst thing I got to worry about when I got to go to bed at night is flow sports, I'm having a pretty good day. But uh, no, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all in on the Phillies, man. I have my Rollins jersey in the, on the office today. I mean, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had the thought of um, we need to have like a separate, you know, whole other podcast on on flow uh, and that whole thing. Because, yeah, yeah. And I, actually, what I'm what I'm trying to pull up here is UNCW's schedule, because I haven't looked at that. I, I remember when I lived down there for a period of time, I kind of had that thought. I was like, man, they don't really have a lot of like I was ready to go. They were like close my closest. CA school and I was like, man, I'd go down and see him and yeah, you're oh yeah, wow. Okay. So they open up with Emery and Henry. I'm not sure where that is. I don't know where those two guys live and that they have a basketball team apparently, but um then they play Allen. Looks like there's some type of uh bee or hornet mascot. Then they play uh the powerhouse known as Mount Olive. I'm not sure who they are. Uh and then they're they're playing sort of their close, you know, like Coastal Carol. That's a little better. Coastal Carolina, East Carolina. They're in the neighborhood, high point. Anything and they play Campbell, not in the conference yet. So uh yeah, you're right. My goodness, uh what's going on there. So whatever's behind that and how you fix that. But I, I don't I don't know the ins and outs of scheduling and how they figure that out. But yeah, that's a little disappointing. So but I don't know. I assume I, I'll look at Elon and see what that is, but um but no, and, and thank you for reminding me that because I did, I broke that down. I, I did the same thing for the women's team. I don't know if you guys had a chance, but I, I went through the men's schedule and I had us at 17 and 12. I hope that's not too much of a homer, homer prediction because uh, if it is, if it is a homer prediction, it's going to be a rough year. But, um, you know, I, I, uh, I think I had, a, and like you said, I mean, we, we played Penn and Princeton. I mean, that, that's, 
first and second in the Ivy League. So th those are going to be two tough games and both at home. So that's going to be fun. And then, you know, it's, Old Dominion was picked ninth in, if I'm getting right, the Big South. And then just for point of reference, James Madison was picked fourth. So kind of getting a sense of how we translate. I agree with you. I mean, we play, and especially the home schedule, some good regional teams close by, which I love. And then some pretty competitive games, you know, Arcadia notwithstanding, although Arcadia does have Jalen Watkins, the defensive player of the year in the Mac. I forget what this Mac Commonwealth is with Saya. Um, so I'm just saying that because if my preseason prediction of the schedule is uh, being overly optimistic, that could be a close game. Hopefully we're not running into that. Um, but, you know, that's where I stood. 17 and 12, a lot of that back and forth, win, lose, back and forth. Can't really decide what team we're on. So I think with the with the schedule we have, I'd be happy with the 17 and 12. Mm -hmm. I could live with it. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I haven't I haven't broken it down, like looking at each game and figuring out how many games it went, but 17 and 12 would be would be good, I think, for what we have. I mean, it's just like I've said before, this is kind of the mystery box team, right? It's like we just have so many unknowns. Um on the squad, there's a lot of new pieces. There's, you know, three wings returning essentially who all could potentially step their game up. But, you know, can they sustain their shooting percentages when they have to shoot it at a, a much higher rate um, with a, a more focused defense on them? So I don't know. 17 uh, 12, I think, would be, would be a good record date. Uh, but like I said, I haven't, I haven't broken it down yet. Um, Maybe I'll do that and get back to the next podcast. Yeah, I mean, either. I, I mean, I think I'd like to see, you know, a decent conference record, right? I mean, uh, a couple games plus 500. So that probably puts you at a 17 and 12 without a conference schedule two and eight. So um, I think, you, yeah, I mean, that's where I'd like to be. It seems reasonable. And uh, you're not going to compete for the postseason at 17 and 12, which is unfortunate. Um, but, you, you know, then that's why you have March. All right. Um, I, I guess we'll ask about Ab. I mean, I think Dan, you kind of touched on it. Um, you know, I, I agree. Maybe Amari really kind of stepped forward, but do you see a something that if it happens, then we have a better chance of being much higher than seven? Is there anything you, that you look at going in that, that could change that? Well, I'm looking hard at the freshman, right? Um, and I'm looking hard to see, you know, how that point guard hole is filled. You know, if we can get real production out of that spot. And we don't put that much pressure, Bill, on the shooters that you were talking about. How to take all those extra shots? Trey took a bunch of shots. You know, I mean, I think Lamar is the guy you'd probably look into the most of those three returners. Is the guy whose role is going to be expanded. I don't think Matei or, or Coltrane's roles are really going to change a whole lot versus what they were at the end of last season. Um, they're not going to be asked for that much more, I don't think. Um, but Lamar will be certainly. I think Amari will be. Although, actually, if you look at Ken Palm, I was looking at it. His usage rate is actually. His usage rate was higher than um, Cam's. Um, it was very close. But if you look at, you know, percentage of plays impacted. Um, so, I mean, he was already the dominant, you know, guy to touch the ball on the team last year. Uh, that will jump certainly this year even more so. So he'll take, he'll take the pressure off those wings. Um, but, yeah, if we, get the, if we get real contributions out of the point guard spot, and I think depth is going to be the big thing. Do we have anything off the bench? Because, you know, we, we kind of know these starters pretty well, but the, the bench is actually going to, play a pretty important role, I think, uh, in this year's team. My only last thought you know, is, is related to leadership. And again, I, I, I'm with you guys. I liked Cam as a player. There were games I went to where, you know, I'm thinking of, um, you know, down at Elon, 
you could see there's some players that just flat out just didn't seem that interested. And, you know, even I think the tournament game, I think there was some team going on with Mari. I don't know if he was about at the refs or what was going on. But that guy to kind of, you know, keep everybody's head in it and, and keep everybody going. And I thought Malik Martin was a little bit of that player for us last year. And anybody you see taking that role for us? I mean, I think Zach Spiker brought Coltrane to media day. And he's he, he, to me, he's got to be the guy. He, he seems to have a good head for it. Um, you know, Lamar, they actually put out a good Instagram reel or whatever you call it. But the um, video with Lamar cracked me up just a few months before this podcast. I saw it. But, uh, you know, he feels feels a little class clown. Right? He's, I don't, um, and I don't know that Amari, from the sounds of it, really has that kind of demeanor. Um, you know, and that's fine. Um, but Trey, seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders and he's the guy, if I'm Zach Spike, I'm investing in. And I think him bringing him to media day to be the guy is very representative of that. You're usually going to pick a senior to do that anyway, but I think, mm -hmm. he, you know, um, it was telling. That was what was in my head as you were saying that because I like he, he seems like he just has kind of a level head, like you said. So, yeah, hopefully he can, you know, kind of take that role. And, and then, yeah, again, there were games where, I'm not going to say who it was, but we were down at Elon and there was someone you could see. It looks like he was crying at halftime when he came out. We won that game by like 15, 20 points. And there's just something was going on and, you know, just kind of bringing those personalities together. And sometimes those little things, I mean, we're, we're talking about the Phillies, you know, it just, you know, sometimes those are the intangible type things. And in a conference that's kind of a log jam, and to me, nobody really kind of jumping out, those are the things that can, can make a big difference. So. Hopefully we see some of that go on, but and Bill's uh, better to talk about it than I am. But Coltrane made a jump last year, like a, a significant. He was like a bench piece. We kind of projected him as starting the year, you know, kind of a, a slow release shooter. You know, we questioned his defense, everything else, and I think that changed dramatically from beginning of the year when, when he was given that opportunity. And I don't know, Bill, if, if what you saw. No, I, I agree, Dan. I mean, I think it's, his defense was the biggest thing for me. Like I didn't see him in even high school. I didn't think he had the like athletic profile to be a good defender. And like last year he actually came out and just was probably one of our best defenders. I don't, I don't know if he was our best, but he, I mean, with Amari obviously, but you know, as far as like, um, wing defenders, he was, he was definitely probably the best. I mean, he just completely changed his game there. And he's one of the guys who can create his own shot. Um, and hopefully he can build on that this year. I mean, he, but definitely he took a big jump last year and became like a, a valuable piece. Um, whereas maybe like before that you would have thought, you know, he's just going to be a wide open shooting role player. Uh, so no, I, I agree with you on that thing. You, you guys have commented too. You seem to be buying it on defense too. So to have a, a, you know, upperclassman type player wants to defend too, that's going to make a good difference for us. So, so we'll see. Um, but so any last thoughts on, you know, it's a preseason poll schedule, anything else you guys were, were wanting to pass along? Because if not, we've got like five more minutes. Um, so, Dan, let, here's my question. Um, we'll finish up on this. So, your alternative to flow, what, what, what do you think should happen in place of flow? Let's, let's I'm not feeling this. This is not the flow podcast. I'm not feeling the question. But <laughs> I, I but, thought for sure it was going to be a video board question over there. But <laughs> Thank you. We haven't, we haven't covered. We have five minutes of video board we haven't covered yet. So, we, we, we've got to do that. That's a good bailout, Lee. And, of course, the Flow Sports feed will be on the video board. So, we've now come full well, circle. I wanted to sleep tonight. So, I thought, well, if you talk about it now, then you can go to bed. You know, maybe think about when you came back from 3-0 down against the Yankees or something. I got the Phillies. I got the Union. I got real life in my head. I'm good. But the uh, you know what? If you 
the one I will see, the one that I've been seeing on Twitter that I, I point I wanted to make tonight, actually, that I forgot about till now was just uh, a point you made early on, Nate, which is the the new teams are all at the bottom of the pole, right, in the men's side. And, and with the exception of Stony Brook, they're fairly low on the women's side. People look at that and kind of poo-poo. They're making a jump. They were in lower leagues. They've got to recruit at this level. You know, they've got to invest at this level. They're, you know, their payrolls and whatnot were a East or, or, or big South payrolls. Like, you know, they're, they're not, they're making a, a step up. Um, I, I like to laugh at JMU right now um, because that whole thing was insane. And, and I just don't like what their administration did at all um, last year with, with pretending to play dumb. And, and really, um, I thought they used their student athletes as a shield for themselves when it was garbage. But, um, you know, they're doing, JMU actually, for a team that's made the jump in college football, has done very well for themselves this year. They've lost their last two now, and they're, no, they're not any serious contenders for anything. Um, but they're, they're decent, they're respectable in their, in their league, um, which is about the best you can ask for when you're making a jump upwards. You know, I, I'm, the jury's out for me. I think the new schools are fine, you know, could be a fine addition, put it this way. I don't think they're like going to be perennial doormats. I think they, they should expect, be expected to be at the bottom this year because that's what happens when you move up. You know, so I don't view this as anything other than meeting expectations. Um, and I'm still kind of fine with the changes. Uh, but I, I just think the people who are shouting it down because, well, this was terrible for the conference. No, no, not in the long run. You're looking at a single season and a single season where they're transitioning. I just think that that's not fair. I think NCAA and T actually is getting some high level recruits. I, I don't know how that will translate, um, but they're definitely recruiting. At a high enough level now, I don't know exactly why that is, but um, they're, from what I've seen and from seeing reports on guys they've gotten the last couple of years, or maybe even last year, maybe just, but um, they're recruiting at a level where they sh- could be competitive. Um, I, I like I don't know much about their coaching. I don't know much about the team in general outside of just what I've seen from their recruits, but um, it'll be interesting to see how these teams fit in. Uh, it's, you know, there, it's going to be an adjustment. Uh, some teams adjust quickly. Like I think when we jumped in the CAA was a pretty quick adjustment with, with Bruiser, obviously. And then other teams like Towson, I don't know how long it took them, uh, 15 years. I mean, I, I don't know. Like it was, they, they were good for a very long time. So, um, you know, it depends on what type of investment those schools want to make in order to make that jump. Yeah. And, and adding programs to actually what I was looking at, I, I, I'm a geographic guy, so, you know, and, and, you know, what they can bring to the table and the type of teams there are is great, but, you know, I like to, like, you know, and I know people worry about, and we had that conversation with the gentleman from Northeastern about, you know, the profile academically. I know that's all important stuff. I just like having schools that make sense academically, and I'm, I'm buying it again to the North Carolina edition, and, you know, I, I like, we have a trip. We play on a Thursday night that, you know, we're down at, uh, at NCA and T and then we follow up at Elon a few days later. And I talked to the, I brought up with the DAC pack guys, you know, getting in your car and making a trip. I'll pick, I'll make a plug. You know, it's a longer drive from Philly than it is here, but heading down to that Greensboro area in central North Carolina, and it may not sound super exciting, but you know, we found a barbecue restaurant there that, you know, they, and actually they banana splits that are like mountains they are huge. So it's like, you know, it's a cool trip is what I'm saying. So if you have the time and it's tough, the Thursday, you have to take Friday off. But, um, 
you know, just to make a plug to go down there and, and see the games if you can. So um, there's some neat stuff. And if you're a racing fan, it's right there in North Carolina. So I think it could work out, basically, is what I'm saying, too. And we add Campbell and having that that profile in North Carolina, I think, could work out okay. We'll see how it goes. But You had me at the barbecue and lost me at the banana split. But I, I do want to know, is there any way, if, if there's anybody listening who wants to take 10 minutes out of their day to email the SIDs of all these new schools and ask them about their Jumbotron measurements, that's how we're going to find out if they're really ready to transition, I think. And I'm, yeah. I'd be excited to hear that back. So if, if there's any listener out there with a couple minutes available. It's the only CA requirement we have. When it comes that's it. To, uh, <laughs> yeah. I got to add more video board. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the video board. I mean, it looks gigantic. But um, it, the atmosphere that they could bring along with the lighting, uh, I just think is something that we've been lacking that other schools just already have. So just getting back to, you know, where they are. So, but I, I'm excited to be at the gym this year, at the DAC, see the team, see the new players. And ODU will be a great first game. So uh, try to be there in person to watch that one. Yeah, it's a good, you know, and, and now the current people haven't been around, but a lot of great memories playing Old Dominion, some great games over the years. So it's a cool team to play. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll make that trip with the home and home next year. I'll go down to Norfolk, and and that's a that's a good run. Uh, mm-hmm. Spend spend the weekend in Virginia Beach and um, get some barbecue down there. Nate, who, who was down there, Dan? For the uh, are you with me or Leon? Were you there for the uh, we were in Old Dominion, and the uh, the fans are just heckling us the entire this is time bruiser suit, the, the bruiser suit game yeah yeah and, go for it and then like we were yelling something i mean you could fill in some details here that i'm missing probably but we were we were yelling something at uh i don't know if it was the refs or the, the other team and they threatened to kick us out basically or um or they were talking to us at least and bruiser basically told them to, to stop harassing us because they their fans have been saying stuff to him all game and they weren't saying anything to the rest of the fans so he just had our back and then they just left us alone after that i'm probably missing some details in there dan but that's the gist of it yeah back in the day right the, the school was always generous enough for the dac pack when we traveled us penniless students were traveling you know 15 people in a clown car um that they would take care of us with t- with the the friends and family list tickets so we sit right behind the bench and uh so we'd hear those interactions and brew VCU and ODU, you know, I think he loved it secretly. I think Bruiser loved it unless until they like hit his family or something like that. It's something off limits, but I think, I think he enjoyed the, the back and forth, but, um, yeah, yeah, he, he did. He had some, some interactions. And the, the only one I was thinking of Bill was the, uh, he turned around at one point and this was an ODU game. I don't know if you were there for that one, but, um, somebody had, somebody took on his suit. Somebody was wearing one of his plaid suit, you know, Suit suits that he that he did that he did back in the day and and one of the the people we call people behind the bench started yelling at yelling at him and uh, he finally got fed up and he turned around and he said you know this suit costs more than you make in a year and <laughs> I just loved it I mean it was just he he'd had enough and, and and he had his words and that shut him up it was great so yeah some some good memories but it's a it is it's a nasty place for posing this is like an nba arena like the, the, that place that was video board lighting before anybody had it. that's carpeted it's not like it's high level um uh down there so always uh always felt a little bit weird actually felt like it didn't belong in the ca um so it'll be fun it'll be fun to run back and i've got some good virginia beach memories and stories too so we'll make a family yeah, two, trip of it next year two games i remember i would I think is Alex Lawton. Is that the player? No, he's yeah, Australian player, guy. So. Yeah, 
Mm -hmm. that, but either I'm, I'm, but um, yeah, the game they they had like ten points at halftime or something ridiculous like that. We ended up blowing them out, so that was a fun game. And then I was I I was already down in Norfolk for something else when I was in the Navy, and I, I was there when um it was Kent Bazemore senior night, and he went for like forty points. But then you know Damian Lee and that cast of characters basically outscored him. They almost flew it at the end, but um. That was a great win. That was my favorite win from that season. So, yeah, a lot of great old seeing old Dominion on the schedule. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, a lot of good memories and, and kind of a big rivalry at, at its kind of at its peak. So, um, nice to have them back. So, this is a separate podcast, Nate. And and but Bill, put a pin in this one for at some point. We'll do it. But the Kent Bates was a great example of a guy who Russell Westbrook's another one who I saw in college, right? And and right, elite players, right? They were, uh, but. Kent Bazemore wasn't great his first few years. He was good. You, know, you saw he had tools, um, but we, you know we kind of handled him. Like it wasn't he didn't jump off the page when we played old to me. We weren't like this is an NBA guy, you know. And Russell Westbrook again, you know, you Bashir Mason on him if I re if I remember correctly uh, that UCLA Drexel game. And and I was like, what is everybody talking about? What's all the hype? You know, obviously, <laughs> obviously they they worked out all right. But the the difference, you know, we we. We locked down uh, JJ Redick, right? Um, um, he he did all right against us, but um, who's the shooter, the big guy for Syracuse that was? Um, he ended up playing in the league, but we 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 played a bunch bunch of NBA guys back in the day, and there's never like I always thought we handled them okay. Like maybe it was Bruce defense, maybe it was just who we had out there. You have a guy like Bashir, that's different, but I never felt like these guys are that much better than the guys at Drexel. And then you're going to tell me that Damian Lee, who's the best player just off the page of any drugs player I've seen is a fringe NBA player. You know, I always thought it was weird. I just, it's a podcast for another day, but it's, it's, it's a razor, razor thin edge. No, it was crazy. And, and I think some guys, even when you've seen from the CA go down that, um, you think we're like, they were stars here and they go to the NBA and they just, they don't cut it. And other guys who seem like they were more like role players go and they have a long career. Like, look, even on VCU, like, there's Eric Maynard, right? Eric Maynard was a star there. And then they had, and he was, it, had maybe a cup of coffee in the league and left. And then Larry Sanders, who was good, but, you know, he wasn't superstar, superstar level. And that guy lasted the league for as long as he wanted to. I think he, you know, left up his own accord. But, uh, but yeah, that would be, that would be interesting to dive into that at some point. When we do dive into that, we got to talk about Ken Bazemore being the reason Under Armour had, got a contract. Right. Curry. Yeah. Not to dig back up that story again, but that yeah. was a good one. All right. Well, anything else you guys have to add? But I have at least one more episode before the first game of the season. And we're kind of building up towards, you know, you mentioned the video board. And yeah, I agree. It looks cool. And I went to a Flyers game, watched the Phillies win from the Flyers game. Uh, and the highlight of the whole night was the video board when Gritty was out there doing his thing on the ice. So it is important for atmosphere. Stuff. So. Bottom line, hopefully we'll one more episode and then get everybody out to the, the games here coming up. Go Union, go Phillies. And and I'm all in on the video board if we get gritty. There you go. Yeah. You gotta get gritty. <laughs> Fanatic used to come to a Drexel game, remember? He used to come That's to my like Facebook a... profile picture, right? Actually, I think that's my Twitter profile picture. I, I yeah. Gotta get gritty to come out. Never get gritty out, I think. Let's work on that. <laughs> all right, Greg yeah. Cusick, if you're listening. <laughs> we want gritty and fanatic. Okay. Let's let's go for two. <laughs>